In November 2010, Cami Granado was one of the first women inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Raised in Illinois, Cami represented the United States in every world championship from 1990 through 2005. And she won a gold medal in the Olympics as captain of the 1998 team in Nagano. Recently, she was named assistant general manager of the Vancouver Canucks after serving for three years as a pro scout for the expansion Seattle Kraken. In her spare time, right, she recently completed a longtime goal by authoring the children's book, I Can Play Too. Cami Granado, welcome to the main event. Thank you. It's great having you here today. And uh, the, the thing that's impressive is you dedicated this book to your family. And you said, they believe that the team is stronger than the individual. When you first, when would, did you first realize that you come from a very special family and that you were destined for hockey skates and not skates with toe picks? Mm -hmm. You know what? I think for me, I was kind of born into hockey. I had, there were six of us kids. I was the fifth in line and I had three older brothers and a sister. And whenever my brother's were doing anything active I wanted to join from the from the earliest memory that I have um and they were and they let me and I think one of the things that my parents instilled in us was like we look out for each other we look out for each other and we're stronger as a group and it was it wasn't never like said all the time it was just something that I remember knowing just innately that was the way my parents parented and that's the way our family believed was was how it was going to be and so my brothers let me you know, run around with them, play games with them. And most of our games were hockey. And so, you know, as a younger sibling, keeping up to, you know, my oldest brother was seven years old and me keeping up to him, it, I had to really work hard to keep up. And so um, I think that helped me as a hockey player. It helped me as a person, but the, the team mentality, I just feel really grateful that I had siblings like that and parents like that, that just really believed in like the strength of the family because we were each other's best playmates for, for oh. many, many years. Back, back when you were starting, there wasn't a whole lot of girls teams. So were you playing with the boys in like, you know, mites and squirts and peewee? I was. I played all the way until I was 18. 18 was my first year with women in, when I went to college. Um, and there, there, was, there were no girls. And I think that's what the book exemplifies. It was in my town, I was the only girl playing. So when my parents said, I told them I wanted to skate, like my brothers, they had just assumed, well, you're going to figure skate because that's what girls do. Like it didn't even enter their mind that they should register me for hockey because girls didn't do that. And so I think, you know, from that standpoint, um, I, I'm really fortunate that my parents said, you know, we'll sign her up and let her try it because um, I could see how much I loved it. And from that point on, it was just like, I am, I'm in love with, I, I knew I loved the game and I was like, I'm, I'm never quitting. And I think they just, they went with it. And, um, you know, there were times where it was a little dicey and where players wanted to take runs at me when I was older or coaches threatened, you know, to hurt me. And it was just a lot of stuff, a lot of noise around me, <clears throat> but I had a strong family connection. I had a lot strong family support and great coaches also that's, that really looked out for me and, and teammates. So all in all, the experience was great, and I wouldn't change it for anything. Uh, that's incredible. The, the title character of your book is called Mimi, and I know you had an aunt named Mimi. And why was she so inspirational to you? Um, you know what? I don't, I, I've never met my aunt Mimi. I just have a very strong sense of who she was. I feel like there's part of her that I, I feel in touch with. I don't know how to explain that. 
I'm named after her. My middle name is Michelle and it was after Mimi. My parents actually were going to call me Mimi, but they didn't, they thought it might be sensitive to my grandma, but uh, cause I'm Cammy. I'm just a combination of my first, my first name and my middle name. Um, but I, there was just this, um, this connection I felt, but she passed away when she was 15 and um, it was a devastating blow to my mom's family. And it was very hard for my mom to talk about her. I was always asking, not always, but occasionally I'd ask about her just to get more information about who she was and see some pictures. And, and it was hard for my mom. And I think this process has been really good for my mom because she's been able to talk about it in a positive way and we're honoring her. And it feels uh, just incredibly right to honor her um, in this book. And um, I feel even more connected to her. And yeah, I just, I'm, I, I really, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm most touched by in my book is that I was able to honor her. When you start to think about it, all of the connections from your family through, you know, your nephew was the illustrator. Mm-hmm. How, how, how did that come about? Well, you know what? I think, again, you mentioned family, like having him be my illustrator. I, I There's no one better fit because he's, he's family. There's, a, there's an innate sense of trust and understanding and communication. And I mean, it was just perfect. Dom had always been a drawer. He had never sort of explored that in any other way than just casually drawing. But ironically enough, him and I were playing this game online where you would write, it's almost like a Pictionary, but you do it through the app. So he could be in California and I could be wherever and we could text each other. Here's the picture, guess what it is. And I was like, Dom, are you drawing this with your finger? Like he was drawing like very detailed characters with his finger on a phone. And I was like, he is so talented. So he just hadn't been able to um, express that in a, in a book before. And so this was his first one, but he, in my, my opinion, he's a pro. He's just so, his expressions and characters, his thought and depth that he went into the characters. Um, he had a lot of things that, you know, maybe they're fun facts that we'll, we'll get out that he put in the book that you wouldn't notice at the first look, but it's really cool. He's, um, he's amazing. He's really talented. I mean, you know, you look at this book, it looks like you know, it's not your first uh, rodeo for, for both of you. Children in children's hospitals these days, many of them are going through a very tough time. Uh, and the question, I guess, is when you put this book in front of these kids, are you hoping to just inspire girls to do things? Or can any child that's been told they can't do something get something from I Can Play Too? Absolutely. The book is not geared towards towards girls, just as any book about a boy character isn't geared towards a boy. Um, it's a story and it doesn't matter what gender or well, what, 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 who you are, it's, it's an inspiring story. So the, the goal for me was just to let anybody know that if they've ever felt different or they've ever felt isolated or they ever felt like they couldn't, they didn't wanna follow their passion because they were afraid of something, they don't have to be. We, we, we need to follow our heart. You know, I got teased. And, you know, and, and there was a, a point in the book where I, I wanted to make it clear, like the figure skaters that were teasing me did not understand because they had never seen someone like me play hockey. So I just had to block that out and go on my path and go, you know what, I'm doing the right thing. And I had support. Support is a big thing to have people around you that believe in you too. But I just want children to know, like, whatever they believe in, no matter how untraditional or, or, or if you're just feeling like you're the odd man out, or you look different, or you feel different, it's okay. Like follow your passions, follow your dreams. And yeah, I did 
it did bother me sometimes that I couldn't be in the locker room with my friends and my teammates until they were all dressed, you know, half dressed, and then I could come in. So, you know, I, I, I but there were times where the, you know, the, the rink owner recognized that the girls were turning the lights off on me in the bathroom. Right. And he, he said, I'm going to clear out a space for you in the broom closet. So I literally was in a closet next and it was out in the rink. So I didn't have to go, I'd have to come in the lobby and turn left. And like, so those little, those little victories where it was like, you know, of course I would like to be in the locker room, like all the boys, but they never made me real. They never made me feel um, isolated. It was just wait. I had to wait to get in there till they were all dressed. So it was just what it was. I love the game too much. There was nothing that was going to stop me. And those things were just little, little things. And it wasn't, I never dwelled on them. How, how impressive was it the first time you put on a team USA Jersey? That was incredible. That was something I'll never forget. I, I, I had seen my brother. Well, first of all, we watched the 1980 Olympic team win and, and the gold medal. And that had a huge impact on my family because now all the games in the basement became us against Russia and Olympic game and how we're going to win the gold medal. So we, we were a big family that followed the Olympics and certainly had an, like the 80 team had a huge impact. So that was like, um, and then I guess, so right after that, my brother, Tony went to, so eight years later, my brother, Tony went to the Olympics in 1988 and then in 1990, there was the first women's world championship. So I, I was like blown away two years after I watched my brother go to the Olympics that I'm pulling over a USA jersey and wearing it. It was like, I re- I, I, I'll never forget that day that I saw my jersey in the stall and the pride that I felt when I put it on. And then when you won the Olympic gold medal in Nagano in 98, that had to be the epitome of representation. That moment alone singly was the greatest sports accomplishment that I will ever go through. Um, just as an athlete to, to watch and dream. And then you're on that ice doing what your idols were doing. And not only are you doing it, but you win like, cause going to the Olympics alone are incredible. And then actually winning it's the, it is the most surreal, surreal experience, but um, one oh, and by the way, you were the captain of the team. Yes. Yes. And I think, um, you know, I think that leadership part came from my brothers and my family um, and my sister too, like just the way everyone conducted themselves, we were always team players. So I think it, it just, it was a natural thing for me. Um, Definitely team first mentality. So it was, yeah, it was an honor and yeah, winning. I mean, it just doesn't get better than that moment. And I always watched championships and watch the way the athletes reacted and then the fact that we got to do it was it was amazing that's that's a that's a great moment and and especially as you reflected on the 1980 team and there was a Ruzioni calling all of his teammates up for his the gold medal celebration and that had to that had to have resonated with you as the captain of the 98 98 women's team absolutely no those guys we, we, our whole team knew those players and, and grew up emily, em, emulating, emulating those players. And so it was amazing. And then in Salt Lake City, we had the Olympics in, uh, at home. We didn't win the gold in that one, but I was chosen, which also blew my mind, was one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to do. Myself and Peekaboo Street, the skier, were chosen to carry the torch up the stairs and we handed it to the 1980 Olympic team. I just was like, that was a full on dream. And like, it still doesn't even seem like it really happened, but like, I, I don't know, something I could never, ever think would happen. And it fell into, you know, that I got an opportunity. So that was really cool. That is very cool. Now I have to ask you this because 
Uh, for those who don't know, Cami is married to Ray Ferraro, the, the excellent broadcaster from ESPN. And he has a son named Landon who just was in Beijing playing for Canada. Mm -hmm. Was it conflicting for you to watch that? And um, you know what? I think family comes first for me in everything. So, you know, the allegiance is, you know, of course I have an allegiance to the U S but when Landon's playing for Canada, I'm cheering for Landon. Like there's no, there's not even a question in my mind. I mean, my, my, our younger boys play soccer and, if they were ever playing anywhere, they would, they're from Canada too. Right. So your allegiance is with your family. There's never a doubt in my mind for that. So um, for the women though, obviously my heart was with the U S and, and, and I was, you know, obviously rooting on the men's U S team to do well, but, but when it comes down to like family, you're, you're rooting for your family hard. So. It's tremendous. You know, when you look at uh, your life, I don't think when you were a little girl sitting out in a broom closet getting dressed, you could have ever imagined that your hockey career would take you to places that you have gone. You yeah. have broken more glass ceilings than probably any other woman in, in hockey to this point. Do you have a chance or, you know, that the, you were just named the assistant general manager for the Vancouver Canucks? Have you had a chance yet to reflect on how, you know, going from what you did representing your country, your college, you know, going to the Kraken as a pro scout, now assistant GM, does that ever resonate with you? Like, macro, yeah. how did I get here? Uh, yeah, it is a little surreal. Um, I think, you know, playing, it's, it, there's two parts to that. Because playing, when I played, I played because I loved it. I didn't play to get any accolade. I literally played because I loved it. And I think we're losing that in sport today. Like we really need to, like parents really need to assess, like let the kids play because they love it. Don't have an agenda for them to make it or a pressure that they have to make it. You just keep playing and you never know what happens and you put in the work. And if that, if you have dreams and aspirations, set the goals, absolutely. But youth sport is so beneficial for so many people. Um, so for me, I was just playing because I loved it. Yeah. I dreamed to play in the Blackhawks. I did, but I didn't spend every day, you know, getting to that goal. I just kept playing because I loved it. And I put in the work because I loved it. And, you know, from all the things that I accomplished, like I, I was able to reflect on my career when I'm, when I was, um, uh, nominated for the hockey hall of fame, because I just never thought that would happen. It was an accolade or something that came my way that it was never, um, a thought that that would be so. I was able to sit back and really look at the journey. And it was, it was really neat uh, to thank everybody and to, to know who will help me on the way and to, to figure out like, you know, the, the highlights that I would go like through my head, what my favorite things were. A lot of my favorite things were when I was young though, playing in tournaments and my teammates. And, but I, but then I look at, um, you know, where I'm at with like getting a job with Seattle as an NHL pro scout, it just, it hadn't been done. So I didn't even know it was an option. And same with my role, with, you know, as an assistant general manager of the Canucks, like I didn't dream that when I was younger because, and even in my adult life, I didn't know that it was really possible because those roles were never, ever, there was never a woman in that position. It was all men. So, so it just wasn't an option. So it, it really is, um, you know, kind of, you kind of sit back and say, oh, wow, like this is incredible. Like th these are now these, these positions that were traditional male dominated positions are being, that women are being hired in. 
and, and there are women qualified all over for these jobs. It's just now that women will be hired, which is great. Um, and I'm excited for, for my opportunity and, um, and know that change is coming, which is great. Now, did you ever have an opportunity to visit anybody in a children's hospital? And if so, what was that relationship like and how does it inspire you today? Yeah, the biggest impact that I've ever felt was when I went to visit um, a young girl here in Vancouver. It was, I believe it was either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, it might have been Christmas Day. Um, and she was um, fighting cancer. And I just went in, brought her some Christmas gifts. I can't even remember what I brought her, but she had a bigger impact on me than I had on her. Um, to this day, I've never forgotten. Her name was Lexi. I carry her with me. I think of her every Christmas. I think of her often in the hockey world. Um, I wore her number on my skate. She had passed um, shortly after I had seen her. Um, but the impact that she had on me, um, it's, still, it's still very much a part of me today. Well, that's wonderful. I think uh, those kinds of relationships are one of the great things about sports. If, if you hadn't accomplished what you did, you probably never would have met Lexi. And you think about how important she has been in your memory and as you raise your family and things like that and the inspiration that she provides. I think when you read I Can Play Too, one of the great messages is that no matter who you are, no matter what you do, don't let other people tell you what you can and can't do, right? Isn't that kind of the, the crux of that story at the end of the day? Absolutely, absolutely. Nobody should deter you from your passion and dreams. And you know, there are these little voices that we have inside. Like I wanted to write a book, but I was told I shouldn't. And then years later, when I was kind of ready, someone said, why wouldn't you just write it? And part of me was like, well, what if nobody reads it? And his answer was, who cares? <laughs> put it out there, put it out there. And I thought, you know what, he's right. Because if I even just inspire one person, then I feel like I did it, you know, I did it. And I didn't think it was even possible to do that. And now there's this book. So there's all these little things that sometimes we think about that we'd like to do. And I, I would just encourage, yes, to go for it, to go for it, to really listen to what you like to do. Not, not what your parents like, not what your aunt and uncle like, or your brothers and sisters like, it's what do you like to do? And sometimes you might not know. So that means you should try a lot of things because you never know what will really jump out at you. Well, Cami Granato, you are an amazing inspiration. Uh, you are a motivator beyond motivators. And I can't thank you for the time you spent with us today, sharing your story, sharing, you know, I can play too with all of the patients that are going to benefit from this. So thank you for that. And we wish you great luck with the Canucks and who knows what tomorrow brings, right? Right. Thank you, Jim. No, I, I, I'm, yeah, I take it day by day, right? But I hope the kids, I hope every one of you that's reading it likes it. And if you want to um, share with me what you liked about it, I would love hearing from you. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, I'm excited. I hope, I hope everyone likes it. Just, yeah, be yourself and go for it is really what my message is. Thank you.